That's another edition of the fucking Brave Podcast. This one's about to get real. I just want to say that we have talked to Lincoln about whether or not we can share these stories in this podcast, and he has given us um, his permission. So this is not shared without his consent. Consent is sexy. Try it out sometime. What are you drinking tonight, pretty girl? I have a um, rosé blend from the Willamette Valley that I also brought back. In a box from the mainland to Maui. And it's fine. It's okay. Mm. I am drinking a lovely French Gascon. Mm-hmm. Do they say that correctly? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which you also brought back <laughs> in a box from the mainland. So. So this is actually on request. We want to talk about Link. Mm, more specifically, we want to talk about Pan's Pandas, but the way we have to talk about Pan's Pandas is through Link. Link. So, very quickly, Pan's Pandas um, is what the diagnosis that Lincoln has, and it is, Pan's is Pediatric Acute Neuropsychiatric Syndrome. Pandas is Pediatric Acute Neuropsychiatric Disorder Associated with Strep. Essentially what it is, is... Do you, do you want me to try here? Give it, a, give it a whack. Okay. It is um, when a virus... Bacteria, infection... Whatever. Crosses the blood-brain barrier and causes inflammation in the brain, which in turn causes symptoms of brain inflammation that are that present as behavioral issues and primarily yeah that's that's primarily initially this was discovered because kids were getting diagnosed with um strep no what's the tick disorder Mm, Tourette's Tourette's and then it was just resolving after kids had been on a course of antibiotics for example and so there became more and more investigations into this and discovered that kids can have inflammation in their brain from infections, viruses, whatever that has crossed the blood brain barrier and it can cause ticks. Uh, but then from there, it has also been found to cause all sorts of behavioral disorders, uh, including Asperger's, autism, autism. And and not and not in the ODD. Yeah. So we're not we're not saying that that this is what causes autism. Let's be abundantly clear about that. Children will have autism like symptoms Mm -hmm. because of pans pandas. They will have Asperger's Asperger's like symptoms. symptoms But what's different about pans pandas, which is something that we notice in Lincoln, is that they're fine sometimes. Yeah. Like it it goes in and out. Like I think a kid that is. Truly diagnosed with autism. Which is is a very real disorder. Yeah. It is autistic 100% of the time. Lincoln was autistic 30% of the time. And then, like... At his worst, it was closer to 70. Yeah. But then would be, like, like not autistic other times. Mm -hmm. And, and again, we're talking 
about autism in the sense of a the presentations. Yeah, 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 as a symptom. Unable to make eye contact, hand flapping, tics, stims, like uh, toe walking, toe walking, uh, repetitive noises. So, <sighs> parenting a child with an unknown illness has been extraordinarily difficult and has been something that has been a part of Michaela's and my entire relationship because Lincoln got sick when we were in Mexico. I think Lincoln may have been sick longer before that, but it really came to out when we were living in Mexico. Yeah, I would agree. And he just came off the rails in the span of a I, week. I would okay, I would say that the, that there is like like in terms of kids having not been a parent to a, a younger child. I mean, I came into Lincoln's life as a full-time parent at the age of 5, 6. And he was 6. 6, yeah. So, I feel like there 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 is sort of a a range of I want to say normalness, and I don't mean normal. I just say typical. Uh, okay, yeah, typical. How about neurotypical? There's a range of neurotypicalness, and and it's and it can be hard when you're dealing with these kids because they sort of waffle on that edge of neurotypical, right? Because sometimes they're very neurotypical, and other times you're like, this isn't neurotypical. Like this isn't what a six year old who is neurotypical would do. And so I think that in Mexico was the first time that there was enough things that were so outside of the range of a neurotypical six-year-old that we went, something is not right. Yeah. Like something is not, like there, there is something else going on here other than just a kid having a hard time. And one of the things that's complicated if you, if you're listening to us and you're curious about a pans pandas diagnosis for your kiddo is that the most traditional pediatricians who don't have a lot of exposure to this disease require a sudden onset. They require something to happen within the span of three or four weeks, your child from zero to 60. And that's not necessarily the case with all pans pandas kids. Some kids have these low-level simmering infections, viruses, whatever, for a long period of time. And then they just get exacerbated. So just, I just wanted to add that in there. So yeah, there were, there were enough non-neurotypical behaviors that we observed in Mexico. And I, I guess we should define what this was like, just so that you can understand. Would you mind me saying my biggest memory of this time period? I had returned to Mexico from being in Oregon for a bit of time, and I I came back to Mexico to get my teaching certificate for kiteboarding to become a kiteboarding instructor. And I can't remember exactly what had set him off. I think it was that, like, Kimmy wouldn't put more honey on his... French toast. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It had it was around breakfast time and it had something to do with something very like shouldn't be a big deal around breakfast. And I was studying for my exam at the time and he totally went off the rails. And when I say that he went off the rails, I'm talking screaming, kicking, punching, all you know, ripping the tablecloth off the table, uh 
you know, the whole nine yards. And we were, we were at a loss of what to do and how to handle it. And, and so we resorted to putting him somewhere that felt safe to not only himself, but to others because he was violent toward us. And so we sat him down against this wall in this house that we were staying at. And it's, it was outside. Um, and it was hot, but it wasn't like too hot. It was in the shade. And he sat against this wall for five hours, mm-hmm. screaming at the top of his lungs. And this was really complicated when he was having these behaviors at that time because I had moved us to Mexico. I had put him in school in Mexico in Spanish, and the school there was very difficult for him. I was in the middle of getting divorced. We were moving back to the um, to the States and we weren't going back to the Gillen house. We were selling where we had been living. And so a lot of this was attributed to a child who was having a hard time because there were a lot of life changes. And so it was very hard to kind of suss that out. When we got to Hood River, Lincoln continued to have these significant behaviors. I remember I had bought a case of wine and he walked into the house and he got mad at me about something and he kicked it over and shattered it. Mm, let's back it up before that. What about the experience when you were driving to Hood River and you were in Tualatin and you had a surprise in the car for him from Ikea, Ikea. which was a chair that we had bought for him to be able to read books in. I was so excited. I was like, buddy, I've got a surprise for you. Like, I can't wait to get to Hood River and show you the surprise. He lost his mind. Everything that he could find in the car, he threw at me. He would yank my hair. He would reach up and kick me. Um, I eventually had to pull over at a Fred Meyer parking lot and try and calm him down. And then I couldn't keep him in the car anymore because he wasn't being safe. So I got him out of the car and he started throwing rocks at my car. And then started throwing rocks at other people's cars. Yeah. And I couldn't get him back in the car. I couldn't calm him down. Eventually the police showed up and tried to defuse the situation and I just I I didn't know what to do like there was no way he would just go into these fits and rages and then the wine incident is one that really sticks out in my head because he kicked over this box of wine in Hood River I like had to clean it up I was pissed because he shattered a case of wine which is obviously a lot of money and all over the floor of a brand new rental yeah and I was not always my best self. And so we fought. And this is also like a time in my life when I was having to learn how to not fight. And I feel like I've gotten a lot better about that. But anyway, so we fought and I finally like took him outside in his underwear because I was like, dude, like you can't be safe in the house anymore. I'm afraid that you're going to destroy something. I'm afraid that you're going to hurt me some more. He calmed down and was like, okay, mom, I'll be calm. And I was like, do you want a snuggle? Like, do you want to, one of the things that we had tried to teach him was to skip to the end because that's, he would have these big outbursts and then he would want to snuggle. And so then I was like, do you want to skip to the end? And he was like, yeah, I want to skip to the end. Crawls in my lap. And the second that he's in my lap, he grabs a hold of my hair and said, gotcha. Then my, my seven-year-old, like ripping my hair as I'm sitting on the stoop of our house in Hood River. Because he's mad about, I don't remember what. And it was... It's just a lot of these stories over and over again. And it came, it really came to a head in Australia. Well, 
I, what I was going to say is, but before Australia, one of the things that we had figured out about Lincoln was the food dye sensitivity. Right. Which helped a lot at the time. Right. And we had to get him off of food dyes. And as we got him off of food dyes, he started to do better and better. Yeah. He had a day in downtown Hood River. They were having a sort of a carnival fest thing for the kids. And they had candy all over the place. And great. You know, you run around and you eat all the candy. And I'll never forget sitting down in the pizza place with him. Because we had, you know, needed lunch or whatever. And, and we sit down to have pizza. And you would have thought that we had put him on drugs. Yeah. I mean, the way that he, he looked. He, like, couldn't make eye contact. His eyes were darting everywhere. He had these severe head ticks back and forth. I mean, it. he you, was you just. You really would have think we would have given him some sort of a drug. He, he was completely checked out. There was no way to talk to him. On, on a completely other planet. And, and it was scary. It was very scary. And it was scary for us because we also didn't know when he would become violent. And it's, it's, there's something to be said about being scared that your child's going to hurt you. Or actually that he's going to hurt himself, which is something that came out when we were in Australia. And I hated being scared of my own kid. And when we got to Australia, I feel like he did better for a while. We're, we had gotten him off food dyes. Stable. And then around Christmas when we were in Oz, he just lost it. We had a friend visiting, and I wouldn't let him come into the kitchen to get a sugar cookie. And he went into a rage, and by this point, he's getting bigger. You know, he's eight. And he, he took me to the floor and had a hold of my hair. And there were, I was covered in bruises from pinches and bites. And we just couldn't calm him down. Like, we, we couldn't bring him off of it. And he started to tell us that he wanted to kill himself. Do you remember that? Yeah, there was a, there was a day that he... I, we would tell him that we had, we'd have to take him to the hospital because we didn't know what to do with him. I feel like there's there's two more big stories in Australia. One of them is the day that he threw the glass at me. Yeah, that was at the tail end, though. Well... And then there was the day he climbed out the window. But I think those were the same day. That's what I'm saying. Were they? I don't remember. Yeah, anymore. so there was a day that he got really mad about something. I don't know. It could have been that his chicken nuggets were burnt. I mean, we're talking very small-level things... And that we, like, wouldn't make him more chicken nuggets. And he got so angry that he hucked a glass at me from 20, 20 feet? 15 feet? Not even. It was 10. 10 just feet? Just across the room. Yeah. And he threw this glass so hard at me that it shattered on the wall behind me. And it was the first time that I think I had been genuinely scared for my physical safety. Because I had always been strong enough that... That when he got into these rages, I could at least, like, uh, restrain him. And that was the first time for my own personal self that I felt like my safety was at risk. That if that glass had hit two more inches to the left, it could have taken out my legs. Just yeah. so many things. And and then I remember we, we put him in his room because he couldn't be safe anywhere else. And... He was violent, and he completely turned his room upside down. Upside down. He took his mattress off his loft bed. 
pulled all his clothes out of his closet. And then proceeded to climb out, out of a second-story window. Down the drain pipe. Down a drain. I'll never forget looking out the window as he climbed... Into the neighbor's down the drain yard pipe. below us and then up and over the fence. And we lived in a city. So, like... And we're talking about an eight-year-old? He was eight. He was eight at the time. We're talking about an eight-year-old. And then he would... And, and that same day, I remember... Well, and previous to that, he would tell us he was like, I just want to die. And one of the things that he'd been talking about, about the window, which was what I was scared about, and I was grateful he climbed down, is he would talk about jumping out the window. He would tell us, Mom, I want you to take me to the hospital for the doctors to give me medicine to kill me to make this all stop. Well, and that, so that same day that he climbed out the window, um, and, and you have to understand that Australia doesn't have uh, screens on their windows, so it's just like an open window. Um, but that's, so that same day that he climbed out the window, we got him back home finally and the only place that felt safe to have him was on the sort of on the stoop like the steps out in front of our little apartment complex and that was when he started saying things like yeah take me to the hospital and Mm -hmm. they'll give me a pill that will make me die or like you know I want to shoot myself with a gun and I remember that too like just verbatim these things and and they're these these things that he would say that you're like where did you come up with that? Yeah, how do you even know that that's a thing that can happen? And at the happen? time, like, he wasn't playing video games or had access to anything that would have really taught him that. But anyways, we ended up at one point that we had to take him to the hospital in Australia because we were out shopping and we couldn't keep him safe anymore. We managed to drive, to drive him to the children's yeah. hospital with Michaela holding him. Well, we had to drive home a long ways, and it wasn't safe to drive home. And so the home. hospital was closer, and they offered us no help. They ended up giving him Valium. After and, hours. We spent hours at this hospital. And and then they were like, this will at least get you home. And then Michaela had not but, like, a couple of days later, a conversation with one of her friends. And she was describing what was going on with Lincoln. And we, we were we were grasping for diagnoses at this point. We were like, maybe it's autism. I'd actually had, I'd tried to have him diagnosed with autism when we lived in Hood River just so that he could get some kind of services. I was like, I don't think he's autistic, but I think he's autistic. But like, can we diagnose him as autistic so we can get some kind of help? Some therapy or something. Um, and yeah. so then we were thinking that he would have an oppositional defiance disorder diagnosis. And maybe that was what's going to, you know, maybe that's what was going on. He was just mean. And... Your friend was like, listen to this podcast, and it was on Pan's Pandas. I'll never forget, we were cleaning our house. And you were like, just be open and listen to this. And I was like, that's fine. I was so at the end of my rope. And just everything lined up. Everything fit. And then we we started down the path. We met with a doctor. Well, we, we self-educated. Yeah, we met we with watched, a doctor virtually. We watched some movies. And she ordered some tests, and the tests, I actually, interestingly enough, looked at them today for for a different reason, which I'll share in a minute, but I looked at them today, and they all showed high physical response to an infection. No actual result as to what the infection was, but it showed, like, hey, this body is battling disease. A long-term disease. Infection, yeah. Um, and... It was inconclusive as to what the infection was, but it was very clear that he was doing that. Then eventually we moved back stateside, COVID hit, and we had we had self-taught enough that we had concocted, this sounds terrible, 
over-the-counter stuff that was keeping us safe, primarily ibuprofen. And low doses. Which sounds terrible, but that was one of the first ways that we realized what was going on with him was, you know, the way that you reduce, the way that you stop the cycle sometimes with pants pandas is by reducing inflammation. A great way to reduce inflammation is with an inflammation reducer, ibuprofen. And then there are other options. Um, for us, Benadryl worked really well to help bring him down. And then we just had bring him, him on this down when from, he was in acute. From an acute outburst. Yeah. yeah, but the more chronic, low-level stuff, the ibuprofen was really helping. And, and yeah, other anti-inflammatories. We had him on some supplements to help protect his liver because I felt terrible that we had him on ibuprofen long-term. He was on ibuprofen from uh, February of 2020 through January of 2021 daily just to keep him functioning. And it helped. It helped a lot. I mean, I tried to take him off of it several times and every time that we tried, we had to bring it back in. Eventually when we came back to Oregon, we connected with a naturopath who in September of 2020 finally gave us our formal diagnosis. We ran a whole bunch of tests that again still showed like active infections. He had high strep titers, even though he didn't have strep. A kid had never had a sore throat in his life. Where the hell is his strep? Um, she put him on a course of antibiotics. That first course of antibiotics made a world of difference. Mm -hmm. And I know that this sounds wild, but it is what has changed our lives. And then this naturopath finally in January, right after we moved to Maui, was like, I can't continue to provide you services because you're out of state now. It makes total sense. But she was like, one of the things that I do recommend that you try is a medication called naltrexone, which is a medication that they give to people who are addicted to opioids. And it sits on your opioid receptors and it like inhibits your ability to receive whatever. Anyways, one of the things that they have found with naltrexone is that in very small doses, it is successful at treating autoimmune conditions, all sorts of them. Yeah, and it essentially acts as an anti-inflammatory. It coats the nerves. So Lingen has been on naltrexone now for a year, and it has completely changed our lives. He is, he struggles because a lot of his neural pathways through his formative years have been written in ways that are not helpful. Yeah, like when he gets scared or angry or, and like normal levels of these things... He goes into these he, patterns that aren't, but he's not unwell. Like we can look at him and we can still see him. And he'll come down off the ledge now and. Yeah, you can talk to him. When, when he was at his worst, he, these, he would have these emotions and you'd try to talk to him and he like wasn't there. Like you couldn't see him in his eyes anymore. He was gone. You weren't dealing with Lincoln anymore. You were dealing with a disease. Yep. And now he gets these same emotions, but you're talking to Lincoln. Yeah. And 
all of this, I, I just, this, this sort of a few things have kind of bubbled up around this that has kind of prompted this podcast. And do you want to share about, about your friend that just had? Yeah. Um, what's been really interesting lately is that when we were in Europe for Michaela to compete for her kite comp, we saw one of my dear sweet friends and spent time with her and her kiddo has a very similar story. He's been diagnosed with Asperger's. I hope that was okay to share. And we met him and Michaela and I instantly looked at each other and we were like, this kid doesn't have Asperger's. We've seen this before. We are not medical professionals, obviously. No. But it just looked very familiar. One moment he was a typical 11-year-old, and the next he was gone. Yeah. And so we encouraged her to look into it. And interestingly enough, I got a text from her this morning that they finally ran tests, and his strep titers are remarkably high, like, whoa, high. So she doesn't have a diagnosis yet. We don't know if this is actually going to be what is the case long term or not, but we'll we'll see. But it's at least been something that is is curious and interesting and could potentially be we may be wrong, but it's looking like. And I just wonder how many other kids and families out there aren't experiencing this pain and loss and feeling of adrift at sea. When in fact it's a, it's, it's inflammation. And pans pandas is really complicated because for whatever reason, and I'm sure there's good ones, but I'm again, not a doctor. Traditional doctors just aren't flexible with this diagnosis. If there's not an acute onset and it doesn't look like ABCD doesn't exist, didn't happen. I think that's changing. I think it is too. Absolutely. And I think that there seems to be from, from when we learned about this, a lot of the information that we had and the resources that we had were that this older. was some, yeah, there were older resources that we had access to. And it was kind of like, this is a rare thing that doctors don't believe in. And as we've been in this community more and, and moved through this process more with Lincoln, it, it seems, at least from my perspective, that there are more doctors that you approach them and, and you're like, my child has pants, pandas, and they're like, great, I know what that is, or I've treated that, or, oh, I have a friend who's treated that, or... Yeah, I've talked to three pediatricians here on island, and all three of them know what pants, pandas is. Granted, they have a very narrow view of it, but they also are willing, or maybe I'm pushy enough to accept the fact that Lincoln has a diagnosis and how we operate with it. Um, we've, yeah, so there's been that at least. I would just say that, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a biological parent. I kind of came into parenthood and I came into parenthood with a kid that was very clearly not well at the time. And I know that for me, like I never gave up on him. I never thought that, like, oh, you're just a shitty kid. We operate in this family under the philosophy of kids do well if they can, and if they can't, then there's something going on, or they don't have the tools to do what they need to do. This comes from the book The Explosive Child. But in Lincoln's case, kids do well if they can, and he couldn't because his brain was literally cooked. (laughs) I guess I just, like, 
advocate for your kids, like, do your research, like, and explore the options. Like, if you might think that, you know, if you think your kid might have pants pandas, then, like, great, like, get the test done, get the blood work done. And if he, and if, if they don't have pants pandas, great, even better, you know. It's just one more thing to rule out. And that's the path we went down as a rule out path. But I don't know. It's definitely been worth fighting for us. And we have our kid back. We have a great kid. We don't have the kid that we had in Australia anymore. No, he's... And I don't think he, quote-unquote, outgrew it. No. No, no, no. And there's still moments when he'll get into dyes and things will regress. You know, food dyes are a big trigger for him. Or another trigger for Pants Pandas kids can be losing teeth. You know, it's been a while since he's lost a tooth, but I can only anticipate the next time he does lose a tooth, it will cause another flare. That's what we call them. Or sickness when they get a cold or... Yeah. So it's certainly not like he's just fine now. I mean, there will always be ebbs and flows, but... It's 90%. More than not, he's he's great and just Mm -hmm. a neurotypical... 10-year-old who's excited about deodorant. We just bought him. It was really cute. Yeah. We did buy him his own bath products, and he's really cute about it right now. So if you see Lincoln anytime soon, he's going to smell great. I promise. <laughs> um, but we just want to offer solidarity and support. If you have questions about Pants Pandas, we love to answer them for you. At least point you to the resources that we know or offer support as you go on your journey for whatever your kid has got going on, be it this or anything else. I just want to say, too, I think I'm going to try to talk to Lincoln, see if he'd be willing to come on the podcast and talk about his experience from his point of view. Yeah. Um, he's a little, uh, he, he doesn't love talking about a lot of the harder times with Pans Pandas, but I do know that he wants to help others understand because he knows the transformation he's gone through from his perspective as well. So. Yeah. Absolutely. I think you'd have some good insight from a kid perspective that could be... We might do this as like an add-on special segment. Yeah, like a little bonus episode. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. This was really brave for us to share this. It's really hard. Um, Nobody likes talking about their kids beating them up, but... We're just kids having a hard time. It matters, you know, and I think that the transparency is important. And Beth, if you're the only one that listens to this... We did this one for you. We love you. Love you lots. Stay brave, my loves. And thank you to Hala. Hala. Couldn't have done this without you. Nope. Stay wild. Hey, fucking brave listeners. If you want to get a hold of us, you can go to fuckingbrave.com and fill out the contact us form. Or you can find Michaela and I on the grams at Kimmy is and at McPilk, M-I-C-P-I-L-K. Or if you know how to reach us on any other method, aren't you special? By gram, she means Instagram. You don't need to add that. They know that. Do they know? Yes. People are not stupid. I'm stupid. I mean, (laughs) don't talk about my girlfriend like that. (laughs) Drive me, bitch.